0: You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter
1: Baracchini, and Alex Hopson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sticks in the Six, brought to you by the fine folks at the Indie House and the Hockey Podcast Network. We are back to a threesome here on the show. Alex has returned from his Euro trip. Uh, we'll get to, to that in just a sec. Uh, we have a hopefully an exciting show ahead. Uh, we're we're expecting a guest on today, um, and this is kind of boys. This is kind of the the finale of season three, I guess, because normally we don't go through August. Normally we cut it off at the end of the end of July. Now we're into September, so I, this is kind of like our our leap into season four so i i would say next episode is going to be the the debut of season four um but uh Boys, before we get going here, Alex, I think we got to throw it to you first, buddy. How you doing?
2: <laughs> uh, I'm doing great, boys. I'm uh, really happy to be back. I saw you guys got up to some potting while I was over in Europe, and I was uh, I was missing out, but uh, I'm happy to be back here. And uh, obviously, you know, the Leafs didn't leave my mind whatsoever while I was out there. I was in Switzerland. The I, I was joking the country that Austin Matthews made famous uh, when he signed his extension there. Um, so I, you know. I I didn't take a vacation from the Leafs while I was out there as much as I wanted to, but uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, It was a great trip. I got to knock six new countries off my bucket list. Five of them I actually spent time in. I I, I decided to throw uh, Germany in there as well. For context, I went to Portugal, I went to Spain, France, uh, Switzerland, and then Austria. And on the train ride from Switzerland to Austria, we had a two-hour layover in Munich. So we decided to pop out of the station, have a bratwurst sausage and a couple beers. And it was uh, – uh, you know what? I, the way I see it, we left the train station, so Germany counts as well. So <clears throat> it was uh, – yeah, it was a great trip. Uh, very happy to be back. We got uh, super sick on our one day that we had in, uh, in Paris – Um, I'll get into a little more maybe another time but we uh, basically we got stranded in southern France on our way to Paris had to get a hotel room there for the night and we did and then the next night we had to take a 12 hour train ride from southern France to uh, uh, to Paris overnight and when we woke up it was our last day in France before we were supposed to leave for Switzerland and we just had the worst fever. We had an awful cough. Our, our Airbnb was like a hospital wing. So that was, a, that was a forgettable part of the trip. But outside of that, I can't complain. Amazing time away. Um, got, to, uh, got to see a whole bunch of new places. And uh, it was definitely the trip of a lifetime. So uh, for that, I would say it was a success. But I'm also happy to be back and doing this show.
1: But well, it sounds like you experienced the highs and the lows of, of uh, travel around the world, it, right? So I ever yeah yeah. so uh, but we're I, I think I speak on on behalf of Peter and myself to say that we're obviously happy to have you back, buddy, and uh, absolutely glad that you enjoyed yourselves and, and and got to knock off a few countries there. But uh,
0: Peter, how's it going out your way? Obviously, no euro trip, but uh, you know, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> yeah, can can't talk that. Um, as you know last week, like kind of like Alex, like you know, he was dealing with the illness over in France. I got over whatever was ailing me. As you can see, I'm a little bit cleared up right now. Not as congested, not as stuffed up as before. I thought it was allergies, but it turns out I had a massive sinus infection. So, uh, yeah, drugs mm. are really helping me this time around. So that's a good sign. Um, Alex, I want to go back to your trip. You posted that sunburn, and I followed up <laughs> on it. How are you feeling with that? Did you at least smear some aloe vera when you got mm-hmm. back or right away? That looked bad. It was
2: a, it was a rough time, man. Oh, I got that, God. I got that sunburn and understand, I'm going to, I'm just going to give you a little bit of context here. I, I'm i not one of those guys that's, I'm not trying to be a cliche and say, oh, I never burn. This never happens to me because yeah. I have burned in the past, <laughs> but to put it into context, I never, I have never burned that badly before. And we got to this beach in Portugal and it was our second day of the entire trip. And we we just had like maybe a third of a bottle of shampoo. And I think it was just that we had a little bit, uh, one of us had a little bit of, sh- or, did I say shampoo? I meant sunblock. My bad. Yeah. Anyways, you'll, you'll figure, you'll realize why I said shampoo yeah. in a couple seconds. So we had a little bit of sunblock left. Um, and we didn't all. we didn't, basically we just said screw it like we will go and get some more sunblock later for now this should be enough so i took a little bit of sunblock i put a little bit on my face and a little bit on my arms because those are the two places i tend to burn the most and when i tell you i got burnt to a crisp in every single spot of my body that either wasn't covered or wasn't didn't have sunblock on and it was awful I went to we. I got some aloe vera pretty quickly. We went to the store that night and got some aloe vera. So I, that did help. I was smothering it multiple times a day, every single day, for that uh, leg of the trip. But I'll tell you, I didn't even start about a week after that. So this sunburn stuck with me for almost the entire trip, and it was it was. Damn. The reason I said shampoo there by accident because our last night in Barcelona, I was running out of aloe vera, and I'm a little worried. I'm like, okay. I need to get some more aloe vera so we go to the store and there's a little pharmacy section and I grabbed a big bottle of this gel looking stuff that said aloe vera on it get back to the Airbnb and realize it's aloe vera shampoo oh and I didn't realize that man. until I rubbed it all over my body it started and I'm like, soap up I just realized this is not I'm starting to get soapy <laughs> this is not aloe vera gel so yeah, I, uh, I, I really, I did, I made love to aloe vera for the majority of that trip, and uh, it was, it was rough. But um, I'm happy to say that upon returning, that sunburn has turned into a pretty nice tan all over there my body. Go. So there you go. Yeah, may have, may have gotten some skin cancer in the process there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did, oh, I, I did get it. I did get a nice tan. At least it's not a fake tan; it's a real one. So.
1: I was gonna say, welcome to the life of like a half ginger. Um, I, I think I throw SPF like 500 on every time and still find a way to get sunburned. Oh, yeah. So oh, I feel
2: yeah, so. It's, I uh, feel for you, buddy.
1: Man, it's like, and, and the worst is like I always get like the the sports spray, suntan lotion stuff, and oh. every time I do, I get like a nice handprint somewhere on my body. <laughs> just from like
2: trying to rub it in and there's like this well that's the one <laughs> that's the main myth with that with that spray sunblock that shit because, does not work no in. it doesn't work myth busted. Come it, it, it's on. it's it's sold so that you think that you buy it and you can spray it on your body and call it a day no you have to rub it in afterwards there's no yeah. thing as just spraying and having it sink in so oh yeah yeah, oh, that's, yeah. A, that's a myth busted right there very misleading product right there yeah yeah
1: <laughs> You got to talk about a little bit about the uh, the mustache too, buddy. Uh, it's something that we talked about before you headed you went on the trip and and you're still sporting it. I think I think it looks pretty darn
2: good, bud. It looks sharp, dude. Yeah. I'm listen. I'm not the type to really flaunt these things and 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 milk them, but I wanted to try something different. Figure there's no better time to experiment with some different facial hair than when I'm going abroad and I only know two people and every, nobody else knows who I am. So I'm like, yeah, we'll give it a shot. And when I tell you, I've received almost entirely positive feedback on this thing. I actually can't think of a single person who said, no, the stash doesn't look good. And you know what, man? I'm sure there were people out there who were being nice and biting their tongue. I'm sure I'm not actually getting 100% positive reviews on this thing. But I will say I'm in a bit of a honeymoon stage with this mustache. And it, it was obviously timed pretty perfectly with uh, the call-up of Davis Schneider to the Jays. So, um I've been, uh, yeah, I've been rocking the mustache throughout my entire trip. I've still got it now and I don't think it's going anywhere. So, um, that's, uh, that, that's where I'm at with this newfound love on my face, my upper lip. There you go. There you go. Well, boys, I, uh,
1: big milestone this weekend for the Forbes family. The little, uh, little Harlow turned one officially a one year old, beautiful, crazy, crazy, crazy year. We've been through here at the, uh, the Forbes household with everything that she's gone through. But, uh, Man, exciting news that we now have two over the age of one. So um, other than that, I added another, yet another beautiful jersey to the collection. I got a nice Dave Keon signed jersey um, to, to throw on the wall at some point. So we're, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and I'm on vacation this week, boys. So it's going to be it's gonna be a fun beautiful. time. So I might have to do like a late night edition of uh, Sticks in the Six quick shifts at some point with a few, a few bubblies. No, absolutely. No, oh, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it it's, it's
2: a staycation.
1: It's Love a staycation. It's a, it's a, enjoy the 40 degree weather out here in London yeah. and, uh, <laughs> try not to melt. Dude, yeah, um, that was, that was not
2: another, even leaving
0: my place the next two, three days. So that
2: was another thing about my trip that I, I mean, I don't want to come back from trip traveling across Europe and complain about a bunch of things because it makes it sound like I didn't have a good time, but I really, I had the time of my life but I'll tell you, one of my gripes with it is we showed up to Europe in the middle of a heat wave. So mm. first couple of days there in Portugal were pretty nice. It was like, you know, average like 24, 25 degrees. And then from like our third day of the trip all the way until the last day, it was like consistent 30 to 35 degrees. And then you factor in the humidity and it's up to 40. And it's yeah, I I, I, I melted quite a bit while I was over there. So I I fully understand you if you want to stay inside and just sit in front of a fan the entire time that you're off Mm -hmm. you're probably better off that way
1: oh yeah oh yeah but the little guys wanted to get outside so i'm sure we're gonna do
2: do a couple trips outside but just put send them into the front yard and just watch them through the window (laughs) that's right that's right don't go anywhere (laughs) (laughs)
1: um anyways we got a couple things to get into uh hopefully uh like i said hopefully we've got a guest coming on uh we're looking at uh we've been talking with uh Michael Telckist, uh, former pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs back in 2000, 3rd round pick, 70th overall. Um, so uh, just just hopefully he's he's going to be jumping on with us shortly. Uh, but before we do, let's jump into a little bit of Leaf talk. Uh, Sheldon Keefe re-signed to a five-year extension. Uh, there's you know this is a little bit of a polarizing uh, signing within Leafs Nation. Some wanted to see him go. Um, you know some of us are are, are okay with with the extension. Peter, let's throw it to you first, buddy. What what are your thoughts on Sheldon Keith sticking around uh, long term? Is this a guy that uh, you know the players are getting along with? Uh, is this a guy that's creating a good atmosphere in the room? I know there's been some talk, uh, especially when O'Reilly left. I mean, there was, you know, there's a little bit of uh, a rumor mill going around that you know the, the culture within the room wasn't as great as it should be. What are your thoughts on Sheldon Keith coming back on the extension?
0: I mean. It's kind of a win-win situation for each. Sheldon Keith wins and there's going to be another contract after this 2 years is up. Um but at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, it's also a good chance to still prove that you could build off of what happened this past season, which is we finally winning a playoff series. And you know, his obviously every everyone's going to point to the Playoff success as the main issue as to why he didn't get a long term extension because of the fact that they still want to see what he can do. Um, but you look at what he's done in the regular season, I mean, back to back 50 win seasons, I believe he has like a very, very decent win win loss ratio. I can't remember, no, I don't know the record off the top of my head right now. I could try and find that out quickly, but um. Yeah, it's it's very deserving. And I think that this is a chance for, you know, Brad Trilliving, because apparently he's had talks with him as well. Um, you know, when the extension happened, you know, he he, he speaks highly of him. He's a top he called him a top coach. You want to have uh when you've got good people, you want to keep them. Um so that that's a good sign that the, the new GM himself has faith in re-signing him and his record is one sixty six, seventy one and thirty. I mean, yeah, playoff record is not that great. But when you have that kind of uh, success in the regular season, that's something to build off of. And because he's still very young in his coaching career to have that kind of record right now, why would you want to let that go? And you even think about, like, who else would be on the market, even when we were discussing whether they should keep him or not. What other viable options are there aside from him? not very much and considering what he's done the past four three four years or four five years since he's come in it's a great opportunity for him and it's a great opportunity for the team moving forward
1: yeah i mean worth noting he's tied in uh 100th all time for coaching wins in the nhl regular season he's also the sixth fastest coach to reach 100 wins um did it in 163 games. So, um, yeah, I mean, Alex, your thoughts on on Sheldon Keefe coming back as the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I had my gripes with Sheldon Keefe at certain points last year, and I think every Leafs fan did, but I think the number one thing to remember is that signing an extension does not mean that he's got a massive vote of confidence from, um, from management and ownership and all that. I think that... More than anything, and this is just my personal theory, but I think this extension was more just to ensure that there were no distractions heading into this year and to understand that, you know, you know, obviously Keith had a had a good meeting with with True Living when they first met. And if True Living, you know, being the general manager right now, thinks that Keith is good for this team, he pointed out that he, he sees that Keith has the respect of his players, which is different from just being liked by your players. He's got the respect. And you know, we can comment all he want about about our our gripes with his, you know, mismanagement of certain things or his lineup decisions or his his matchups when he's when they're in the playoffs, things like that. Overall, if if the guys in that room and the people who are around him every day feel he's the right option, then they're not going to go out of their way to force him out of his role. So, I saw a stat I can't remember exactly uh, who it came from, so you'll have to forgive me there, but when you look at Ron Wilson and Randy Carlisle, and then eventually Mike Babcock as well, all three of those coaches had signed extensions somewhat recently before they were fired. And that's not including Babcock. Babcock on the other hand though, did have multiple years left on his deal. Whereas Carlisle and Wilson, they signed extensions. And I think it was the next year for both of them, they were fired. Um, Mike Babcock obviously had made it a couple extra years into his contract, which he probably should have given how much they paid him. And, he was let go when the team wasn't performing. So Keith being extended by two years after this year, I really don't think that that's, that's really much of a cause for concern. I think it just means there's no distractions heading into this season. And, I mean, you saw Bradshaw Living when he was with Calgary. He had a he had a uh, Jack, Jack Adams. Jeez, I almost said the Norris. He had a Jack Adams winning head coach in Bob Hartley and fired him the next year. He wanted to fire Daryl. Daryl Sutter had only been in Calgary for what, maybe a year or two. And then he wanted to fire Sutter. And part of the reason that he left and he stepped down from his role was because ownership wouldn't let him. And then he ended up walking anyway. So it didn't matter. But the point is between true living and between the Leafs organization, nobody is afraid to fire a coach. So Keith being extended doesn't mean, Hey, you know, we've got a guy here that we truly believe is going to be the coach to take us to the promised land within these next three years, blah, blah, blah. It, really comes down to how he performs this year. And if there comes a point where the team is looking completely off and, you know, they look like they did in 2019 where they were just the, the, the he lost the room. I don't think they're going to be afraid to fire Keefe. I think it's just, his extension was just a matter of making sure they had their guy locked up and no distractions, no media coverage of, Oh, are they going to fire him? Or is he on the hot seat, et cetera. This kind of puts all the distractions to bed for a little bit. So um, Peter, you already mentioned his his win-loss record, so I'm not going to go too much deeper into his stats because we know that he does have a case to be made for sticking around, whether you like it or not, but I don't think that his case to be made is going to save him from getting fired ever. I think it's just a matter of making sure there's no distractions this year.
0: And considering that they still need to re-sign Nylander too, I think that was a big... Yeah. It, there's another hurdle still need to be done. So you have two out of the three major... Uh, you know, major things that Trillidy needed to do this offseason already checked off. Yeah. So that's a big step forward for both the team, the coach, management, everyone involved.
1: Man, I think the, the one of the biggest takeaways, I mean, our biggest gripe with Sheldon Keefe was the fact that he kept playing players that maybe weren't fulfilling their yeah. roles within the lineup. So Justin Hall, Alex Kerfoot, both of those players who, who Sheldon Keefe seemed to have a hard on for are gone. That's two two players out out of the lineup that you don't need to worry about anymore. Um, that could could almost help the situation with Sheldon Keefe, almost force his hand to to take a look at some of the other players within the organization, like uh, Timothy Lilligren, like uh, you know, uh, well, obviously Matthew Nyes. I mean, if if he's healthy, he's going to be playing. Um, it, it gives you that opportunity to kind of look at these guys and, and force them into into roles that. You know, maybe might help them succeed in, in a in a more successful way. Tyler Bertuzzi coming in, uh, Max Domi coming in. So there's there's players now that you know Sheldon Keefe's going to have to get used to. He's not going to be able to go back to his favorite players. And for whatever reason, he saw, you know, we saw his his press conference that one one year about uh, you know Steve Simmons asked about continuously playing his worst defenseman, and he he said, well, that's your opinion. And and it it, it was obvious that he had this like. Almost loyalty to a fault to to Justin Hall, and with those guys gone now, it's going to create different storylines and and maybe maybe the the issues won't be as as noticeable as they once were with those guys in the lineup. So I think that's that's a big takeaway as well on top of what Alex was saying about you know extensions for coaches unfortunately mean nothing. It's like an NFL contract. Yeah. You're,
2: you're guaranteed a certain amount of money doesn't mean you're sticking around for the entirety of your contract. Yeah. So. That's the main thing, too, is I think it's just important to remember another thing. I won't say the main thing, actually, but I think one of the other important things to remember about Keefe this year is this is the first time we're seeing Sheldon Keefe, honestly, like in his time with the Maple Leafs organization where he's not going to be working under Kyle Dubas. So, I mean, the three of us have been, we've been critical of Dubas at times. but We've also, I would say while he was here, we were, we were pretty positive and pretty forgiving for him for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that, I'm not confident that the Leafs can do even better without Dubis, And we'll have to see how, how true living and Keith kind of work with each other. And we'll have to see if Keith's ha- some of Keith's habits change. Cause who knows? Maybe some of those habits were Dubas in his ear saying, Hey, do this. We want you to do this. I think it's better if we do this. So, he like he said he doesn't have his favorite toys from last year. We'll see. Maybe he makes some makes some other toys that we uh, we, we in turn start to get a little frustrated over. Maybe those toys are Sam Lafferty and David Camp. Who knows? But um, either way, I think that he's definitely worth a chance this year just to see how he does without Kyle Dubas and having a different guy at the helm.
0: Yeah, and it's it's funny that you both brought up the fact that he doesn't have his his go to players like Kerfoot on the PK and top six, Justin Hall on the PK and top four. Coaches need to adapt and change over time. Otherwise, you're not going to go far. And wh- whether or not that's going to happen, that it should happen this time around because he's got new players at his disposal and ones that could be a little bit more competitive and have more upside than what they already had. That should be a sign uh, for key for from Trevody to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, these guys may have been good for you, but I got players that could provide a bigger impact play them do what you need to do with them so you can get the most out of them and win. And if Keith doesn't do that, then that's good. That, that is going to create a lot more headlines because, you know, he ha- he's got better players at his disposal right now. He's not going to mid tier level players or like a, a fringe, you know, third line or third pairing seventh defenseman in hall or, you know, an everyday third liner in Alex Kerfa making him into a top six that can't happen anymore you have a top six in Bertuzzi, a player that can move up and down in Domi defense still up in the air, but you're starting to see a little bit more of that will and drive and succession for Timothy Lilligren. So that's going to be big to see for, uh, for me with Keith to see if he can adapt with the players that he has, instead of just going to the old status quo mentality and trying to do the same thing over and over again.
1: Well, as you guys said, uh, Brad for living bet on Sheldon Keith for the foreseeable future. And as such, our listeners here at Sticks and the Six can bet on sports with DraftKings Sportsbook. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. NFL is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario cdkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsibility get responsible gambling resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions do apply well peter you came out with an interesting piece recently uh looking at the possibility of patrick kane Uniting with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I mentioned prior to us starting the show here today that there was some rumors floating around, and, and we're all about rumors here at Sticks and the Six. But we saw some rumors floating around about the possibility that Patrick Kane could want to play with Austin Matthews. Uh, you mentioned the fact that there was some discussion about Patrick Kane possibly wanting to follow Alex out wherever he goes. Take us into this idea that maybe the Leafs could be a, a possible landing spot for for the Patrick Kane, or maybe he's not, or maybe it's not.
0: Yeah, the way that I went with it, it just crossed my mind because he was starting to skate, and the way that he was, you know, talking about his recovery after he had uh, hip surgery, because that seemed to be the big uh, talking point about his downfall last season with Chicago. And then, you know, even with the New York Rangers in the playoffs, it seemed like he started to feel like his normal self. And when I think of a normal Patrick Kane, I'm thinking of a guy that's constantly driving the play, working magic with the puck, you know, just dancing constantly in the offensive zone, ripping it top corner on his um, strong side uh, or offside and being a top five, top 10 player in this league. We didn't quite see that last year, but the fact that he, he was being a little bit optimistic, I, I guess it kind of like crossed my mind would, how would he fit in with the Maple Leafs at this point? And considering his numbers, first of all, his numbers really have been on a massive decline since 2017, 18. I mean, I put up like a, a, a list of all the top stats, you know, Corsi for goals for expected goals, scoring chances for everything saw a steady decrease over time and it does not look good and we all hear about like how he's not that strong defensively or away from the puck, and we saw that quite a bit last year how he didn't seem as engaged he seemed too timid at times and he was essentially a no-show in the playoffs for the rangers too and they paid that not necessarily a big price but they they wanted him to be a big part of their run and it didn't quite happen but also like the depth of where the Maple Leafs are at now obviously they're still in the cap crunch but what are you going to do with Nylander and Marner you're not going to demote them you're not going to shift them down you're not going to shift him them or even Patrick Kane to the left wing because he's brought in Tyler Bertuzzi you have promise and Matthew Nyes at this point it, it just did, it, it, it kind of thought that I kind of thought that it is a possibility, but looking deep down at the numbers and the depth of this team right now and what they added in, they don't need more skill. They need a more competitive nature and drive. And those guys that they brought in have that, or what they already had in Matthew Nice, they have that. They have the ability to go into the tough areas. Kane kind of seems to shy away from that, but you still have the skill of Matthews, Marner, Nylander to make up for that. So that was where I was going with that piece. I mean, obviously it was kind of like middle ground, but like it just doesn't seem possible any other year, maybe. But at this point in time, the the Maple Leafs and Kane really don't seem like a fit, even though that they were trying to go in on him last year before they got Ryan O'Reilly. There was that little rumor and talk, but at this point, it just doesn't seem like it could happen at all.
1: Alex, I'm curious. Would you take a waiver on a guy like Patrick Kane, knowing that uh, you know obviously last season we saw some inconsistencies, whether it was injury related or or whatnot, and then you know didn't have the greatest playoff run with the Rangers? Your thoughts on on the the possibility of a team like the Leafs signing a guy like that?
2: Um, uh, you know what? If I'm going to be completely honest, and Peter, I really don't fault you for writing that article because it's it, we've reached the point where we check in on things like this. Yeah, but I think the idea of the Leafs taking a flyer on Patrick Kane is something that we probably only talk about because it's early September and we're this close to hockey. being yeah. <laughs> Now, I, again, Peter, I, I understand I have
0: published. None taking. Like,
2: yeah. I, I, I understand. Like I've written content like that before. Mm-hmm. I just think that f- like for, for Patrick Kane to fit in with the Leafs, he would a have to take a, the biggest discount imaginable. I don't know what he's, I don't know what, how my, I know he's probably not going to be getting a lot of term on his next deal, but He's going to be asking for more, probably more than the Leafs would be able to afford. The press up against the cap right now. They'd have to make a number of trades just to fit him in.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was mean, going with the route of like a one-year deal, kind of like what Vladimir Tarasenko signed, kind of yeah. that proven now what? kind of thing. If, if if there was the option to sign him for one
2: year at four or five million dollars, something like that, I mean, I can't say that I would. I can't say that I'd be upset with it, but I also don't see the Leafs being. Interested in making the amount of moves that they probably required to make just to fit him in as much, excuse me, as much as a Kane Matthews Marner line or something along the lines of that looks good and is something that, you know, we would have, we would have dreamed about in years past. I don't think that's uh something that's going to work out. I just think that uh, it's a fact. There's some intrigue because he's the last remaining big name, if you want to call it that on the market. And ultimately, if he doesn't retire this year, he is going to sign a deal like that with a certain team. But I just don't see it being the Leafs.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I've like you said, it's early September. I've seen a little bit of the conversation. Uh, you know, there's there's some people talking about bringing back Phil Kessel on, on a deal like that as well. And um, I think it's just you know it's one of those things where you got to look at it and and just see what the 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 real. Like the reality of it is bringing a guy like that in, and and right now I just don't know how he fits in in Toronto. Um, obviously, it'd be a, a hype move by them to to bring in another goal scorer like that, but at the same time, like who who misses out on on being in that lineup if you bring Patrick Kane in, I guess, and and that's where you gotta look at it. And but yeah, I definitely definitely an interesting piece, an interesting. Thought process behind it and, and the possibility that he could land there. There's still a lot of possibilities on where he could land, and, and New York's one of them. Buffalo's obviously one of them, and, and Peter, as you mentioned, the possibility of following the Brinkat could be another another one as well. Um, your I do want to before we close out here because obviously uh, we uh, our guest won't be able to make it uh, today, so we'll have to reschedule at some point. But um, I, I want to mention to you guys. So uh, I heard this. I heard this story about a uh, junior player and I I won't, I won't use names just until I get more of the specifics on it. Um, And and we all talk about trading within the game and how it's part of the business and and whatnot. And I want to get your guys' opinion on this story here. So there was a junior player recently traded. And uh, my understanding is that, at some point during last season, he wanted to gain more, uh, more of an opportunity, more playing time. So he did mention the possibility of leaving the team that he was on. Um, in, in doing so, the coach at the time stripped him immediately of the letter that he wore on his on his jersey. And this offseason, he was getting ready to go back to his billet family. And uh, called up his billet mom, and she said he 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 mentioned he was ready to he was ready to come back up, bringing all his stuff up. And she said, "You might want to bring some boxes with you." I got word this week that you've been traded. So, billet mom finds out before the player. Player has no idea he's been traded. I want to get your thoughts on on this, especially in in a a world right now where it's everything's driven by social media so the chances of a player finding out maybe before anybody else could be a little bit iffy alex what are your thoughts on how this this whole trade story went down and and my hope is to get this player on the podcast at some point to talk about this because if this in fact is the way that it happened man it's uh it's an interesting story to talk about
2: yeah, I mean, we, we just saw the other day, and this is a bit of a different comparison because we're talking about a Major League Baseball player as opposed to a junior player who's barely making anything. But um, we saw the other day that Harrison Bader of the Yankees was placed on waivers, and he didn't find out that he was even placed on waivers until 10 minutes before the game started or something along the lines of that. And then obviously he gets claimed by the Cleveland. I, I want to, it was either the Cleveland Guardians or it was the Cincinnati Reds. All I know is that all the waved players went to Ohio. Um, but poor, poor even from guys. the Angels, poor guys, anyways. Um, but yeah, Harrison Bader ends up with a different team. And I remember just thinking at the time, how does it so consistent? I feel like we've been hearing more of these stories lately. How does it just constantly get so lost in communication between management and players where? Other people, like the sources, the media sources, or even in this case, like you said, the billet mom found out first. I, I just don't get why it's so hard for for the people swinging these deals and the people who control these players' livelihoods, essentially. Why it's gotten so hard for them to just let their players know, hey, you're on your way out. We're going to be looking for a new home for you. Um I actually, until you mentioned that Forbes, I had not heard that story. So um, that's unfortunate. And uh, I hope that the the player involved in this is going to be in a much better situation where he's been traded to and will maybe have some better communication from his, from his general manager. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, I, I mean, I've always been of the belief that if you're going to do something like that, you got to let the player know first, like that's like, they're the one who has to make, make these changes. And obviously like, when you're when you're making millions of dollars in the in the majors, you're you're probably a little more better off than being a kid relying on his billet mom, and all of a sudden he doesn't have a place to stay. I mean, I I don't like I said I don't know this story, so it's hard for me to comment further. But I'm I I just I've never understood why players are not not the first ones to find out when they've been traded.
1: Yeah, Peter, just. uh if you had any quick thoughts on, on this as well, it's just a, it's very unique story. You don't come across it very often. So it's just uh, one of those things that
0: just kind of caught me off guard. Yeah. Off guarding very bizarre too. Like kind of like what Alex said, like even at at such a young age, these players have agents too. Like where's the line between management, the agent and the player going back and forth with that. Like it, it, it's very, very bizarre. And even like hearing like, like, listen, we we all hear, like, especially younger players, too, and junior, they want the opportunity because they want to showcase their skill. They want to showcase who they are, and they want to catch the eye of teams, especially if he's still young, he's coming up into the draft. He wants to make his, his value known of what he is as a prospect or a player. Um, But then hearing what the coach has said, you know, remo- stripping him of the letter, then finding out that, you know, he's coming back and then he's getting traded instantly. I mean, that's just, like, a very, like, a very, very bad slap in the face kind of thing. But like, if you like, the thing is, like, this is going off bad terms for, for everybody, player, coach, team, what have you. You don't want to do that because you don't want to, like, have those, like, you know, um, grudges on hand. Like, you want everything to be upfront, you want everything to be transparent. Hey, You're getting traded. Sorry about this, but we wish you the best of luck in the future. I don't know what's wrong with saying that. I don't know why you got to leave this player in the dark like that. And then, you know, going one different direction. And then again, having uh, the billet's mother find out that he, that he's getting traded or that he found out from the billet, uh, the billet mother that he's getting moved. So it's like, yeah, very odd, very bizarre. I like, it's a very big head scratcher at this point. Like, again again kind of like alex like we need i need to hear we need to hear more about the story of how it unfolded how it transpired but it's very very bizarre at this point and very very concerning
1: yeah like i said uh more like like i said i want to get more of the facts on it uh it was just uh, something i came across and um yeah i just uh, you know it's it's weird because with the billet families especially in junior hockey right like that's mm-hmm. you're building relationships with these families that you're living with as well at you know, I, I, from my understanding, the billet mom was very affected by the, by the move as well. And there's yeah. no communication either way. So um, definitely something I hope to get a little bit more insight on uh, in communication with the, with the player. But um, yeah, I mean, aside from that boys, I, I don't think we have much more to discuss here. Um, like I said, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can reschedule here and and, and get uh, get our guest on uh, in, Prior to the season starting, I know we got uh, Peter. You mentioned possibly David Alter coming on again to do a season preview with us. So hopefully we can get that worked out and uh, get some more exciting stuff for Sticks and the Six as we head into season four. But uh, anything you guys wanted to add before we we cut it off here for episode one thirty five?
0: Hockey's just around the corner. Like uh, I'm, I'm just super excited. Just super excited. There Simple you go. as that, right? Like, you know, after all these months of like, you know, wondering all these ifs, ands, buts kind of scenarios of like players with the team and everything like that, we actually have like a solid picture going forward right now. So with the rookie tournament happening, training camps happening, I'm just ready to get the season started. Oh, also, you know, there's a, it's also fantasy season for, you know, football, hockey, everything. So um, should be fun. Should be a fun year.
1: Alex, sports betting is alive and well, my friend. Uh, I'm sure you'll be delving into that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I was
2: going to say even closer than hockey being back. Football's back. Go Jags.
1: There you go. i
0: going to be all, a rough year pass.
1: Talk about talk about a league with a lot of storylines. Uh, the NFL is in fact back, so that'll be interesting as uh, we get underway in the next week here. Um, other than that, boys, uh, it's been it's been a great. Another great episode, Alex. Like I said, off the top of the show, glad to have you back, my friend. Glad you made it back safely. Thank you. Check us all out on Twitter at Andrew G Forbes at P Baricini and at a Hobson Media. You can follow the show at any of the uh, socials down below as well as TikTok. Make sure you check us out on YouTube at Sticks in the Six and uh, hit us up on uh, with that little subscribe button. It takes less than two minutes of your time, folks. Otherwise, make sure when you are looking for tickets to any concert, any sporting event over the next little while, sign up with SeatGeek using the promo code sticksinthe 6 for $20 off. That's S T I uh, C K S I N T H E 6 I X for $20 off your first purchase. And uh, you're giving back to the show as well. So that's always a nice thing to do for us. But until next time, folks, uh, that's episode 135 of Sticks in the Six.